This podcast is supported by Americans for Medical Progress and was founded and created through the Michael D. Hare Fellowship, awarded annually to support projects that inform and educate the public about the critical role of animal research in furthering medical progress. The fellowship honors the late Dr. Michael Hare, a renowned board-certified laboratory animal veterinarian who dedicated his career to scientific and medical advancements and who was deeply committed to animal welfare and advocacy. Hey, everybody, and welcome in to this month's edition of our News Bite episode. I think this is episode, News Bite episode four, five? I think so. Four? Who counts? Who counts? I don't think anybody counts. I know I put it in the title, but I don't think anybody really cares. We could just put like April News Bite from now on. Anyways, th- thanks everyone for tuning into this episode. Um, as you know by now, we just provide a little update on what's going on in the world of animal research or provide you with cool stories that we think are cool anyways related to um, animals and research and science. So that's just kind of an opportunity for Danielle and I to to chat, honestly, catch up. You know, we uh, we do our interview episodes and and honestly, we don't we don't really talk to each other a whole lot during those. It's kind of a, the three way conversation that we do, and so this is kind of a nice opportunity for for us, you know, as friends to to talk talk about some cool topics as well. Um, so today, I don't know what you have, Danielle. Honestly, I think hopefully it's not too obvious. I guess the lack of preparation sometimes oh. for these episodes, <laughs> but. But I think that makes do, it more more candid yeah. and and good. Right. I mean, who wants to hear an entirely scripted episode? But we do come up with with topics, and we have stories that we want to talk about. But we don't always tell each other. Yes. So what I'm going to talk about first is a little vet school update, um, and then I'm going to talk about Neuralink, Elon Musk's like um, you know science brain reading advanced crazy technology company that he has outside of Tesla. And then I'm also going to talk about this new website that lets you go virtually and tour some animal research labs in the UK. So what are you going to tell us about? Um, So I have a pretty interesting study out of the University of Minnesota Twin Cities about um, fake heart valves, but I'll get into the details later. And then I just want to make fun of my iPhone for stalking me ever since I've talked about Banana the Lobster. And I also want to apologize because I know I don't sound like myself. I am like struggling with allergies right now. <laughs> like my eyes are just watering as I'm talking. So if I sound a little different, that's why. Yeah. I was going to say, you do sound a little, a little bit oh, off. A little off. Yeah. The, this, ugh, this, pollen. Is the, this is the time of the year where your cars are just coated with yep. yellow pollen. Everything's everywhere. yellow. So we'll get yeah. through it. <laughs> it's a good time of year. Um, yeah. So for me, we just finished finals. Finally, third year of vet school, the didactic portion, the in-classroom portion of vet school is done. I've been looking forward to this day since I started. So, so you, I'm don't very happy. Any, you don't have any more exams until like the big, I'm a vet exam? Is until that... the big like NAVLI or licensing exam, yeah. which we take in the fall, which is just one giant cumulative vet school final, basically. Ugh. That's eight hours long. That's in the fall? Um, that's in the fall. Okay. Also in the spring, if you fail it. Oh, good. They gave you a backup oh. plan. <laughs> I'm just going fall. Yeah, hopefully. you'll do it. So you'll do it. You, you studying for that. Yeah, so studying for that and one one last big exam will be in July. And then, of course, if I do a residency and then go on to board certification on live animal medicine, that's another even more horrendous exam from what I've heard where the pass rate's anywhere from like, I don't know, something ridiculous, like 15% to I think all the way up to a high of 50% sometimes pass. Wow. So... But well, that's way in my future, and I'm not worried about that yet. Yeah. Right now, we're just focusing on. Right now, I'm just being happy that I'm done sitting in classroom, aka my desk, 
at home while kids climb on top of me trying to listen to Zoom lectures. So that's that's good. That's exciting. Um, well done. Well done. Bravo. Honestly, yeah. it was it got a little rocky the third this last semester <laughs> for a little bit. I I wasn't sure. I thought for a minute I might be getting to know the second years really well next oh. year when I joined their class, but <laughs> but we made it through. Everything worked out just fine. Well, did you pass your finals or do you not know yet? Yeah, no, we know. We actually know oh. right away now. It's oh. we you can check like the review of of the exams right after you're done. Oh, okay. You put in like a password and it tells you what you missed. Good. Okay. Well, congrats. And so and sometimes that score is not reflective of what your score ends up being after a curve. So Ooh, yes, curves. past every past everything. All right. I mean, I'm a, I'm like a solid like 85% student. I, I get I end up with like an 85 in like every class. That's good. So yeah, I know some. I mean, many of my classmates are are a ninety five hundred percent well, students. They don't. They don't have I kids. <laughs> am going. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not trying to overachieve. Being class rank number one's not me. Just going. Learn the material. Get through it. Keep pushing on. That's the goal. Awesome. And we're successfully, you know, navigating through this mission of vet school so far. So, anyways, cool. enough about that. The first story that I have is about, I don't know, did you see this uh, on like Instagram and stuff? This is where I found it. That's, it's funny how Instagram and Twitter have become such like a source a, of material for us. Yeah. <laughs> I, I go there all the time for interesting stories because I'm not going to find this in like a science journal about Elon Musk's Neuralink company revealing the video of that monkey playing Pong with its mind. Only. And this is the computer pong, not beer pong. I feel like, cause when you sent me the story, you're like, Oh, I found a monkey playing pong. I was like, why are we going to talk about a monkey playing beer pong? But <laughs> it's the pong on like, like the old school it's, game with the paddles going up and down the sides of the screen. Right. Like it's one of the yeah. first video games where you yes. just control the paddles going up and down and you hit the ball back and forth. Yes. 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 We should clarify. If the monkey that. was playing beer pong, well, I'm not sure they would need the neural well, I was, I was going to so say that'd like, be a lot more. Yeah, I was like, Jeff, this isn't research, but I understood once I looked at what you sent me. So, <laughs> but not all of our stories are research related. So right. I mean, if we do find an, a, an article of a monkey playing beer pong, then we will let everyone know. We probably will talk about that too. Yes. For sure. Um, but so, anyways, they hook this Neuralink device into the monkey. Um, and it's basically, Musk calls it a, a Fitbit for your skull, you know, and so through very, complex and complicated neuroscience that we're not going to get into because we don't I, could, I, I don't yeah. even know how to get into it. <laughs> yeah. um, so they hook it up to, to the monkey's brain and they give him a joystick and he starts playing, moving the joystick. And he's playing using the joystick, but then after he gets the hang of it, the, the researchers disconnect the joystick so it's no longer controlling anything. The monkey still thinks it is and he's still using it as it's connected. But it's not doing anything, and he still continues to play the game, just using his thought of, you know, he needs to move the joystick up and down to make the paddles move. And just that thought process is controlling the video game. And the, the is, biggest part of the story that I took away was that his reward was a delicious banana smoothie, which is very cute. Yeah. <laughs> That's was stupid. it just banana? Like just banana smoothie? It didn't, it didn't give the recipe. It just said a delicious banana smoothie. So I thought that was a nice little reward for for our pong playing friend. But yeah, I think as he moves it, he gets to like take a sip of the smoothie or something. Yeah. He has like a little straw. It's very cute. 
Yeah. And so, I mean, the, the overall goal, they have... Neuralink, I think, has published one scientific paper since 2019. And so I think they're amping up their scientific team and their and their production. Recently, they're actually trying to hire a veterinarian for to join their their lab animal group, which I'm like, man, why why is that job not posted a year from now? I want to go work for Neuralink and do this <laughs> do this research down in Texas. So anyways, if anyone from Neuralink's listening, you know, and you want to Hit wait a year for, yeah. for, for a veterinarian, I'd love to join. Okay. Um, but anyways, just the stuff's just pretty cool. And it does have very viable application outside of monkeys playing pongs. You know, they can use it to the idea that of what the company says they can use this to help people that are that are paralyzed you know control electronic devices so they can use their they can use smartphones you know of course they could go play video games they could do many other things i i believe neuralink also in, <laughs> intends to have some sort of mind reading thought being, being able to communicate through thought processes involved too so if you can't speak you know some people can't speak but you're very coherent still oh, mentally yeah. And then you could still communicate that way. Hmm. Um, so I don't know there's there's lots of viable applications. Of course, maybe some sketchy or <laughs> sketchy ones as well. Questionable, but, but also cool. <laughs> right. I don't want. I mean, I don't think I'll be the first to sign up to get this implanted into my brain. I don't think you need it. But no, I don't think so either. Can you imagine if we could all read each other's minds? Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. disastrous. But, yeah, or imagine the multitasking you could do if you're. If you have one though, and you could control like your phone, or maybe you couldn't multitask at all. I don't know how it would go. Well, actually, these are conversations could, for like thirty years from now, maybe. If I could like sit at my desk and just stare at the computer and have the words appear and me not have to type, that would be pretty awesome. That would be. Yeah, but all right, you ready for me, me? to jump into my little heart yeah. valve? Yeah. Story. Go ahead. All right, because I figure I'll we'll we'll flip flop so you don't just. Put everyone right. Nobody wants to just hear me yeah. constantly. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah. So I found this really cool article out of, like I said, um, University of Minnesota Twin Cities, where for the first time they have successfully used a lab-created heart valve that they've implanted in young lambs. And after a year, obviously lambs grow a lot in a year, um, the valves actually grew with the animal, which is the first time that's happened. That's awesome. And yeah, and the valves show um, reduced calcification and improved blood flow function compared to like the animal derived valves that are currently on the market that are able to be used. So they're working better than the like animal valves that go into people and they're growing with the animal. So again, the yeah. application for this would be for like pediatric patients who typically have to undergo, you know, five or six surgeries while they're growing because their heart valves can't grow with them. Um, so the hope here is, you know, someday be able to kind of manufacture these fake valves for little kids. And, you know, hopefully they would only need one surgery. Um, and they're actually, like I said, doing better with the reduced calcification and better blood flow. And the other cool thing that this article talks about is the valves can be stored for at least six months so really the surgeon can just say like, oh, let me go in the back and grab a valve and we'll get to it. There wouldn't be any wait for the right match or, you know, a donor or growing a specific thing in an animal. Like it would, it really, it's, it's really exciting, especially for all the parents out there who have had their kids go through scary surgeries. So yeah, that's awesome. What'd you say the valves were made out of? They're just like synthetic um, valves. Let me, let me look through this. I read this again. This is me not being. 100% prepared. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
it so no, I, I thought you'd I thought you'd said sorry I just no we'll that. um we'll post the link you know when we get this episode out but it it goes through the process of how they're made and they did um combine combine the sheep skin cells in a gelatin like material called fibrin like they kind of morphed it into uh, yeah. a sheep specific yeah. thing but it's lab created so how cool so they have like be? a they have like a mold basically kind of thing like a matrix and they put the cells in there. Yeah, so it's like they create they three tubes it. and then they actually sew the tubes together because you need the three valves or three tubes, I guess. Um, yeah, and they're like shelf stable or I, maybe they have to be in a fridge. I don't know if they're shelf stable. They can be stored for six <laughs> right. months. Yeah, <laughs> frozen, refrigerated, room yeah, time. they're just knows? they're good for six months from the time they're manufactured, which is I. This will be really exciting if they're able to kind of keep up with this research. I think right now it says they've done this successfully in three sheep, um, three little lambs that have grown up for a year, but obviously they're going to keep on this and do more, do more trials. Yeah. Cool. There's even like a little YouTube video. I just pulled up your article. Oh, nice. Now there's even like a little YouTube video of echocardiogram showing that the valves functioning in the lambs. That's kind of cool. You can actually see them in there working like a normal, a normal valve. Yeah. That's awesome. So that's exciting. Yeah. This is way more probably applicable to society you know maybe, than maybe really. more of an, an immediate need than uh, a brain chip <laughs> yeah for sure oh. that's cool um and who'd love who doesn't love working with sheep and lambs you know i know they're so cute that's one thing we're allowed to do at bed school it's like one of our few just in the spring and the fall we can always sign up to go out to the to the sheep barn and help out with the lambing if mm. we yeah, you know, someone always needs to like be there at nighttime, or not the whole night, but you just go out there for a couple hours. And it's usually when they give birth after everyone leaves and they're alone, but a lot of them need help. A lot of them don't need help. Some of them need help. We can go out there and help pull lambs out. And I mean, they have no problem getting volunteers for that because everybody wants to go out there and bottle feed some lambs and stuff. Yeah. They're a day old. I did it first year and then I was like, you know what? I, I, uh, I have, I don't have time. <laughs> You're like, I have small children that I can bottle feed at home. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Um, all right. So my other topic or other story is actually pretty cool to you. And it's really applicable for everyone out there that doesn't work in this field. If you want to go in and see what a lab animal uh, or a research laboratory looks like using animals, go to labanimaltour.org. I'll put the link in, in, our, in our show notes at, at the end. I mean, basically from here on out, I'm probably going to say that less. Anything we talk about is going to be yeah. in our show notes, all right? Yeah. So I don't think I need to preface every story or end every story with, with that statement. It'll, it'll be it'll be there. So, but anyways, liveanimaltour.org. It's in the UK, so you can actually see some differences too. If you're here in the US and you do work in this in the field and you know what our our labs look like and how our animals are caged and housed, you can go to. Um, see what it looks like over in the UK, like University of Oxford, Oxford, University of Oxford. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Oxford, University of Bristol, the Purbright Institute and MRC Harwell Institute. And it's pretty cool. You can go in virtually. They have, they have all like 360 degree cameras. You can like walk through. It's like Google Street View, but inside a lab and you can see these animals in their cages. You can see the people working with them. Um, and so it, the idea is just do exactly what we've been talking about and to bring more transparency and let the public see what these research labs look like. And it's not, you know, the dark drafty 
with water dripping from the ceiling images that you know you may see somewhere in the media and online they're very clean they're very open and bright and people are around smiling you know the monkeys have more enrichment than you can ever imagine they're about better taking care of the people's pets so you can see like the cage wash areas how they clean everything all this stuff so it's it's a lot of work whoever put this together um and I think it's really awesome. I haven't had a chance to go through it completely, but I've gone through it a little bit and I'm going through some of it now. You can even see like the blueprints kind of, of the layout of the whole lab, which is kind of goes against a lot of you know, biosecurity things we hear about. <laughs> <laughs> but, but they're not, you know, they're not, I don't think they're giving away. They're not giving away like, I guess, entry exit points and, and what's going yeah. on in each lab. It's just like a general layout. You can see where the rooms are and how the flow works because that's such a big deal. Yeah. And it's such so much effort and time is put into saying like, hey, how do we maintain like clean versus dirty sides and how we don't want to break barriers and then you know introduce unnecessary pathogen pathogens or, or or whatnot into clean animals. So it shows you the complexity of these labs. I think people will get a lot a lot out of it for sure. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I like that. Good good transparency. Yeah, for sure. We need to start doing something like this here in the in the U.S. as well. But you can see the big differences between the U.S. and the European. I mean, I'm I'm 100% pro America, but European Europeans they got us. Uh, I think they might have us beat a little bit on some of the animal housing conditions. Oh, really? Which ours are great. I mean, if they just go like some of their non-human primate cages, it looks like. Or and and I think some people in the U.S. do this too. But I think their standards. And we talked about on this with the episode um, where we talked about you know, EU animal research standards. Yeah. We talked about some of the differences um, in cage sizing. They just have some bigger standards. They just have some higher standards for cage sizes, well, minimum cool. standards. Of course, of course our minimum standards are usually being over, we're overachieving those anyway. So yeah. Um, but they're just different, I guess, maybe not better, but different. And it's yeah. cool to see. Neat. I'll stop. I'll stop rambling. Yeah. Don't, don't dig a hole for the U S cause we're, we're doing really good over here too. <laughs> Yeah, we're doing fantastic. That's not what I'm trying to say. Yeah, you know what I'm just different, especially if you if you work in the field and you've been in a lab in the U.S. It's nice to see sort of a different take on housing and facilities and things like that. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah, and I'm always for improvement. Yeah, we can't just sit in one one spot. Can't be stagnant. We got to keep moving forward, pushing the envelope. So, anyways, Yeah. yeah. The only other thing I kind of wanted to make fun of today was if. I don't know how many people keep tuning into these episodes, hopefully the same crowd, but two episodes back, I talked about this like super rare lobster that was found in Maine and they named it banana and the uh, fishermen got it to a research facility so they could, you know, let him grow up there. So obviously like when we're looking for stories for the show, like I'm on my phone at home, it's usually like before I go to bed or something. So since I found that article about banana, the lobster, my phone is spewing rare lobster stories at me. And like, I don't know, a month ago, this super rare blue lobster was found. I don't know. It might've been Ireland or Scotland or something. And then an old article from 2019 pops up on my Facebook and it's, you know, oh, ultra rare blue lobster, one in 20 million chance of finding it. And I'm either not convinced that these colorful lobsters are that rare now or Maybe Elon Musk has already figured out a way for my phone to read my thoughts. <laughs> Probably has. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's crazy because my phone thinks that I have a, a hobby of tracking down rare, colorful lobsters. I'm waiting for like a unicorn lobster or like a rainbow lobster. Then I'll what? believe that it's rare. 
I don't know what to say. But <laughs> I mean, why does my phone keep telling me about rare lobsters? If they're rare, why does your phone keep telling you about them? There shouldn't yeah. be a bunch of stories coming out about rare yeah. lobsters. I found like four rare you shouldn't lobsters. Be getting, you shouldn't be getting spam rare lobster stories. I, it, it is just at that constant. point, I mean, maybe there's just an insane population of blue and yellow lobsters that we just don't know about. And they're right. not rare. Right. Maybe they just live in some crevice of the ocean and they come out once every 17 years like a locust. What are those things that come out? Locust, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Can we get a lobster expert on the show to maybe um, talk about and explain this? Because we'll right, someone needs to look into this. Yeah. Why are we getting... <laughs> lobster spam. Let's stop. Yeah, let's stop calling them, calling them rare. If maybe they're not. But we missed, you- we missed World Banana Day, by the way. It was oh, like on Wednesday. Right. And yeah. we didn't even represent banana on banana yeah. World Banana oh, Day. I don't think it, World Banana Day is for that lobster. I think it's for bananas, the fruit. But but we, I did, I really liked Banana the Lobster. But maybe he's more unique than rare. Like maybe we need to choose our wording better, since other fishermen are finding these colorful lobsters. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Just, my phone is is thinking I'm into lobsters, the, but I mean yeah. I like lobsters, but. <laughs> Not yeah. enough for them to keep popping up. Right? N- knock it off. Yeah. Maybe you can clear your history or something and stop getting lobster stories. <laughs> yeah, I, don't know what to, I don't know what to tell you. But definitely keep us updated and let us know if maybe the unicorn More, lobster shows up. Yes, absolutely. For sure. Um, all right. Well, I think you covered your topics. Yep. I covered mine. All right. I guess you know, the last thing I want to say is we are... Our next episode we've we've actually already recorded it which is rare to have an episode recorded already when we do this one but our next episode is really great it's uh, it focuses on cystic fibrosis and it's with with two people we have a husband and wife one the the rebecca is a live animal veterinarian and her husband cody is um living with cystic fibrosis. So it's a really cool dynamic. And next month, May is Cystic Fibrosis Awareness Month. So we'll be releasing that episode. So definitely go look for that coming out sometime in May. And um, I think you all will really enjoy it. And there's lots of good information just about the background of cystic fibrosis, what it is and what it's like for people living with it and the hope that animal research brings to them for therapeutics and hopefully one day a cure. So Yeah, and they, they went over even the improvements you know, what, since like the nineties, like recent, you know, developments that have improved the lives of people with cystic fibrosis. So that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. There's a good timeline. Almost every year, it seems like there's some, some good advancements. Yeah. Big development. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. And that's it for today. Thank you everyone for listening. Make sure you go write and review live rat chat, wherever you can help us with ratings. It definitely helps our visibility and helps more people listen to this show and get our message out there. So thank you everyone for listening and we'll catch you next time. See you later.